0: Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates, price and coverage match limited by state law.
1: Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast, your audio source for all things Michigan football, basketball, and recruiting. I'm your host, Zach Shaw, Steve Lorenz here with me. We're gonna talk through the Michigan football team's 38 to 17 win at Wisconsin on Saturday. Gonna talk about some of some of my takeaways uh, and also start to peek ahead toward toward the rest of October, which could be a very interesting promising there's a lot of different words you could use month for the wolverines now that they are five and zero for the first time since 2016 and steve I, I i posted my takeaways to me the big one and we'll talk about a couple individual players in a moment but but the the defensive performance this is that was as good as michigan has looked defensively maybe there was one season one game in the 2019 season but I really kind of want to go toward 2018. They allowed 210 yards, many of which came in garbage time, 17 points, including uh, a garbage time touchdown. They had six sacks, 29 quarterback pressures, according to pro football focus. I just looked at those numbers and then I looked at them again, because that's just a hard number to fathom, you know, with Wisconsin. I mean, they only attempted 23 passes, I believe. And so to have 29 quarterback pressures, is is incredible they held wisconsin to 43 rushing yards and 1.5 yards per carry 1.3 yards per carry excuse me uh wisconsin's lowest total in either situation since 2015 they forced three turnovers they held wisconsin to three of 14 on on three and outs or on on third downs they forced seven three and outs on 13 drives and wisconsin only had two drives in which they lasted on the field more than four plays in the entire game. That is, I mean, you can pick which number is the most significant to you, but, but to me, I thought it was a, a, a really a master class performance. And, and to me, that was, you know, there, I guess there was always questions about the passing game, and, and I suppose there still are a couple, but, but it was always we have to see what the defense is before we can project what this season will be. You think about Wisconsin last year, a lot of the same guys. I mean, it was Mertz and Berger and, and Ferguson and Davis and Pryor. I mean, they they destroyed Michigan last year. And so for Michigan to, to put together not just a a good performance, but an elite defensive performance, I think that that is a tremendous year-over-year growth for the Wolverines. And, and I think that does raise – expectations for michigan moving forward what what are are some of your thoughts on the defense
2: first thing i want to say is uh i don't know what it is about these two teams that like every year one of them just beats the hell out of the other one uh i think they had the the jordan (laughs) lewis interception game right was a close game but otherwise this is always like a that's so true
1: and it's always billed as oh this is gonna be a big you know ugly matchup that'll come down to the wire and it never is. You're right. right. Even that 2016 game. I mean, the score was close, but Michigan missed three field goals. Like they probably should have run away with it a little bit. Right. Yeah. It is funny. Like one team's just it on is. the floor and the other team's like raising a championship belt.
2: So, cause I want to say the five, you know, Michigan had one won in Madison for however long or whatever. And I think those losses were about like an average of like three 15 touchdowns. points, 15 points. Yeah. So,
1: but the last four were by more. I mean, there right. was one that was three points, so, yeah. Blowout
2: city, usually. So, um, the most impressive thing to me, I tweeted it, so I, I hate that I'm, like, almost repeating this a little bit, but it still is my biggest takeaway was um, it's 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 totally fair and reasonable for us to admit that this is not a typical Wisconsin team uh, talent execution-wise offensively. But those the yardage numbers you mentioned – what stood out to me is that even when Wisconsin did succeed, it was on the on the back of like three amazing throws from Graham Mertz. Uh, it was not as if Wisconsin that late touchdown, you know to end the second or end of the first half, it was not as if Wisconsin or Michigan had like these major breakdowns defensively that led to those points. I mean, he had to make three amazing throws to Ferguson and two to D.K., Uh, to get those points. And that ended up being what? I mean, how long was that drive? Like 65, 70 yards off the squib?
1: The the touchdown? Yeah, 63 yards in 15 seconds.
2: So that's what, a quarter of their yardage? Maybe a little less than a quarter of their yardage for the entire game? So that's what was most impressive to me. I got to assume that many people going into halftime thought, here we go, Mertz is going to figure it out or he's figuring it out, it's just Michigan's luck that the, the guy who's maybe the, one of the worst statistical quarterbacks in, in college football is, is all of a sudden has like rediscovered whatever magic he had, you know, a, a calendar year plus ago for a two game stretch. Um, so the fact that it took plus plus throws to even move the ball against them, period. And the fact that they responded in the second half, I think right off the off the bat, I thought was uh, huge, you know, I, you know, I don't know if anyone out there is just saying, well, you know, if Mertz was had been able to finish the game, maybe it's a little bit different. I I'm, I'm a believer in if you're creating opportunities for your players to, to sack the quarterback and, and not hurt them, but like, you know, to hit them consistently, if a guy it goes changes out,
1: how a quarterback plays, right. And
2: I don't consider that like a fluke break for Michigan. I consider that Michigan's defense just beat the guy up on the other side of the ball. Uh, and, and he couldn't finish the game. You know, obviously hope he's hope he's gets better. Hope he's fine. Um, and, and he did play, he did. He looked as the merch looked the best that he's looked all year, which I'm not saying a ton, but still, um, you know, either way I felt Michigan really, this was that they earned it. And uh, the other big takeaway, and I don't know if this is where we were going to segue into, and I said this before we got on, I really truly believe that uh, David Ojabo's emergence is the single biggest reason why Michigan could be go from being maybe an eight and four team to a ten and two or maybe even eleven and one team. Just because we yesterday was such a good example of how Aiden Hutchinson has a such a big impact on the game, even if he's not the guy maybe getting the sack or getting the tackle for a loss having that second guy we've seen Michigan's best defenses under Jim Harbaugh have been when that second edge guy can feed off of the attention that the other one's getting, you know, you talk about Winovich and Gary really being a, uh, maybe the best example of that. You're kind of starting to see that with Ojabo who had by far the best game of his career yesterday, but is also kind of emerging as a guy that is making big plays at big points in the game. So to have a, to kind of have that Robin, to Hutchinson's Batman on the edge, I think is just, it's so valuable, not just for Hutchinson, but even those guys in the middle, you know, to create some space for those guys to operate in the passing game in the pass rush. So uh, can't say enough about how far he's come in a short amount of time. And and same with Chris Hinton too, is another guy. I think we talked about before we got on, mm-hmm. you know, a guy that the knock on him, even during fall camp was difficulty getting off blocks Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. Uh, he's come. A, a, he's come miles in that part. In that aspect alone, this season looked excellent against the run yesterday, and uh, another guy who really is maybe kind of finding it. So, uh, yeah, a lot of positives for Michigan defensively out of this game, obviously. But uh, oh, also, I remember saying before the game that I thought Dax Hill would have a, a big game-breaking play. Uh, on Saturday, I think he he did that with the interception. I mean, Michigan probably was going to win either way, but that was kind of the nail in the coffin, uh, I thought. So, uh, pat myself yeah,
1: in the yeah, back, and and so. his his pass rushing was was really strong. I mean, he played he played like Michigan fans had really hoped Dax Hill would play this season. You know, I think there's a lot of worry among fans that he was going to be off to the draft before he made an impact in a big game, and, and I guess we'll see your, I, uh, how Wisconsin the game ages, but the fact is they were an underdog and he played, he was the best player on the field for much of the game. And so uh, him and Aiden Hutchinson playing up to that, to that draft hype so far. And, and you, you mentioned a job. I think that's a, that's a fantastic point that we we've talked about his elite physical ability for a long time. And he's always been, applauded by Michigan coaches and players as a, as an elite pass rusher. I think the question was always, how will he do against the run? Thought he had a great run defense game too. The two and a half sacks obviously is what people remember, but, but you know, his ability to recognize kind of, well, I guess just recognize what the play is, (laughs) you know, so he's not just getting into the backfield for nothing. You know, he understands where to be. I thought he was really good. And I, I, I think, you know, you mentioned Hinton, I think Mozzie Smith is worthy of mention. I thought um, he, I mean, he's had a pretty good season overall, but, but I thought yesterday he had a, a really fantastic game. I think he, he graded out really well. According to pro football focus had, um, you know, three quarterback pressures, which is, which is a good amount for a, for a defensive tackle like that. But, but, you know, the thing for me that I saw, and I don't know if this is something that shows on TV, but Michigan rotates its defense a ton and there's a, Sometimes they cut it really close with getting guys in position at the right time. But whenever I saw Mozzie Smith rotate in late, he not only knew exactly where to go, he ran really quick. Like he looked very quick for someone his size, but he never, I did not see once him put his hands on his hips or hands on his knees or like look winded at all. And I'm not just singling him out. I think Michigan's entire defense did that, but that was something that, that stood out to me as I was like, Man, he's putting in a lot of work. Not just between the whistles, but but you know, when when there isn't a play too. Just sprinting on and off the field depending on the situation and everything and and I think I think he deserves a lot of praise, you know, for his one on-field production, but two, you know, he's talked a lot about the improved shape that he's in and and you know kind of how he really took the offseason as a serious opportunity. So certainly, I mean Michigan needed a lot of outliers on defense. A lot of players who didn't step up last year to step up this season, and, and they're getting a couple of them. I think they, they've gotten a few in the secondary with, with Moten uh, you know, in the linebacker room to Hill Green, Junior Colson. But now you're starting to see it in that defensive front because, yeah, 20, 29 quarterback pressure, six sacks. Last year, they had nine sacks, period, the whole season. And I think Wisconsin's offensive line is struggling a lot. I think there's going to be some personnel changes and who they start and everything, but, um, still it's, it's big guys who at one point were viewed very highly and had success last season. So, um, on the offensive side of the ball, I think the big takeaway is they, they answered a lot of questions. I don't think they answered every question, but everyone wondered what they would look like if the run game wasn't there. Well, the run game wasn't there. They, they ran 46 times for 112 yards, and that includes pretty much no sacks. You know, that, that's a legit. Like, they were not running the football consistently. I thought they did well. I mean, we talked about Wisconsin before the game. They were only allowing 23 rushing yards per game, and Michigan did a great job avoiding tackles for loss and negative plays. But, but they only averaged 2.5 yards per carry, still came away with 38 points think there was a lot to like about that passing game, Steve. I, I, there were some early inaccuracies and I think I'm always a believer that what happens in the first like three drives clouds the impression people have for the rest of the game. And so McNamara was off. I think the receivers were off and I think the offensive line uh, struggled to pick up some of the, some of Wisconsin's blitzers. But, but altogether, they threw for over 250 yards, three touchdowns, no sacks, no interceptions. Well, I guess Alan Bowman threw an interception late in the game. But uh, but otherwise, they really – I thought – I mean, that's about as good as you're ever going to get against a Jim Leonard coach defense. You know, Wisconsin's got a very good defense. And I thought Michigan's passing game succeeded. And, and you talk about a Ajabo kind of raising the ceiling, raising the potential of Michigan. I think Roman Wilson finding – kind of that every down comfort level you know where he's he's not it's not just speed for him it's it's making tough catches it's creating separation it's playing physical I think he's another potential raiser uh and he's someone that obviously stood out to me on Saturday did did they answer in your mind the question can they win without the run I mean I I know the turnovers helped I know Michigan had some drives that didn't look so great but but what, what, where do you sit with Cade McNamara and, and this passing game right now?
2: So I wouldn't say they won without the run. I, I want to say, uh, I think it was Joel Klatt uh, talked about Michigan a little while after the game and said Michigan ran the ball enough and effectively enough to keep Wisconsin honest. I thought that was a good way to put it, and I thought it was pretty accurate because you think about the touchdown. That's true, yeah. You think about the, first, you think about the flea flicker. That was, that was totally created by Wisconsin having to respect Hassan Haskins in the running game. I mean, you had both the linebacker and the safety bite on that flea flicker play. I know the flea is a trick play, but still, if Michigan wasn't getting anything running the ball, maybe, maybe the safety doesn't bite. I suspect the linebacker probably bites on that play either way, but um, it opened it up enough for Michigan. So I, I do think, and especially considering how well like you said, Wisconsin had slowed the rundown coming into this game. I thought Michigan did enough. We, again, we didn't go into the game expecting Michigan to run for 200, 300 yards in this game. Uh, I think we all kind of assumed that Michigan, if they were going to win, it was going to have to be through the air. And this was kind of the the, the big game to, to determine where they're at there. For me, I'll just be honest. I mean, we were in the Slack chat, and I, I had questions early on in the game. Uh you know, timing was off. We've seen McNamara maybe struggle a little bit in pressure t- in under pressure type situations. And then I, bef- right before the flea flicker, I think I mentioned maybe he's the kind of guy that needs to hit on a big or difficult throw to really maybe kind of get into a rhythm. And, and that's kind of how it felt like it played out. Uh, he hits the flea flicker. And then after that, uh, he was absolutely an asset for Michigan offensively. And, um, I agree, though, and and Wilson's a guy we've talked a lot about because he was a guy that really didn't get a ton of pub. I know A.J. Henning was was my big breakout pick, Um, but Wilson, like we always said, started the first game of the year last year as a true freshman. Obviously a guy Michigan feels has potential, Uh, but his, again, much like it is with Hutchinson, not to the same level, but Cornelius Johnson's a guy I think we know can make plays when asked. I mean, he made two big ones yesterday but with the kind of waiting with Ronnie bell out, you know, it was kind of on one of these other guys to really step up and be that second option. And and yeah, I think yesterday was a huge step for Roman Wilson for young guys like that. And to me, he still is young. Uh, they only played the six games last year. It was a weird season. Uh, that can be a big confidence builder for him. So overall, yeah, I mean, I think you got to be very happy with McNamara's performance and just Michigan in general, uh, at both the wide receiver, quarterback, running backs, I think did their, I think their offensive line, obviously pass protection has been excellent. And um, yeah, it's, it's, it's encouraging again, not, not the same level of Wisconsin team that maybe we're accustomed to, but defensively anyways, they're, they're at least a plus defense. Uh, This is the best defense they've played so far this season. And they at points made it look, Pretty easy uh, against them. And, and I, I, I think that is predicated on their ability to run the ball. Um, kind of opens everything up. So overall, I think you got to be encouraged for sure. Absolutely.
1: To your point about McNamara doing really well after that flea flicker, I, I have to go back and make sure that it was that exact play. But I believe it, including the flea flicker, at that point, he was four for nine for 20 yards. The rest of the game, he was 13. For 19 for 177 yards and two touchdowns i mean that's that's really good and and, and to your point about wisconsin's defense sean clifford who i w- would maybe argue is the big 10's best quarterback right now did not have a good game against wisconsin he had few he had a worse completion percentage threw for fewer touchdowns had a worse passer rating and had fewer yards per attempt than Mcnamara did yesterday. Now is there a case to be made that Wisconsin's playing its season opener a little bit more engaged than maybe when they're one and two and they're facing another good team and they're kind of beaten up a little bit. Yeah, maybe there's a case to be made there, but but the fact is Wisconsin is not a team that gives up a ton. I mean they're they're not they're not a the slouch defense by any stretch. That's like the one part of the team that, that actually is is still clicking at a at a you know top 10, top 15 level right now. So yeah, I thought I, I came away pretty impressed with McNamara and and the receivers tech, according to Pro Football Focus, they they credited or blamed the receivers for three drops. Uh, still think there's some issues to work on. You know, we talked about it, I think it was the last episode. You know, with without Ronnie Bell, I mean, that was someone that they were really counting on to be like on third down, that's who you're going after. I think they're still working on some of those, some of the timing. McNamara threw behind his receivers a couple of times. I think the receivers did not create the necessary separation or, or didn't necessarily create the leverage as the ball was in the air a couple times. So there's still stuff to work on, but, but I think suddenly those games where you, where you don't anticipate Michigan will run for 200 yards. They look a lot more winnable. And and the the, the narrative I think has to go away because I think there's still questions about McNamara. I, I liked that they worked McCarthy in there. I think that was really important. Um, but I think the the narrative that they don't trust Cade McNamara has that's got to go. I mean, for them to call a, a flea flicker in the end zone, you know, in in a, I, I believe it was a pretty it was still a pretty tight game at that point. And, and to, for them to call that when he was four of nine I and mean, he was struggling and they said, you know what, let's just let's do it. And I think the, the 38 yarder to Roman Wilson on third and 10 was another one. I mean, there, I, I don't think Michigan expects McNamara to be a first team all Big Ten quarterback or win the Heisman, but they trust him to make plays to win. I think that narrative to me, anyone saying that now is just – they're thinking too much (laughs) they're 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 putting words in people's mouths and and they're 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 putting a little too much stock into their own hunch i mean it just they they clearly trust him i and and steve real quick a question for you any any big impressions of josh gaddis's game plan i i i thought it was magnificent i thought that was kind of what everyone had hoped gaddis would produce it was it was creative but it wasn't it wasn't creative in a, in a, um, I guess forced way. It was creative to Michigan's talent. I thought it was pretty versatile. I agree with you. I think the run game, uh, you know, those numbers probably look a little bit worse because in the second half, they just, it, it just wasn't the same kind of rushing attack. But I thought in that first half when, you know, before Corum took that one big hit and you know, him and Haskins, I thought we're doing a really nice job of, finding holes the line was working pretty hard your thoughts on on gaddis's game plan and maybe similar to mcnamara did did he prove a lot of narratives or a lot of critics wrong in this game
2: i think to an extent i mean so the, the one that cracked me up was the second fourth down on the first drive where they didn't get it um My only, my only criticism of Mac, my only major criticism of McNamara has been not keeping it at all. I thought that was a brilliant play call. If he had just kept, I mean, he could have gotten 30 yards. Um, I, it's clear he's not the most nimble of a fleet of foot necessarily, but that was not a bad play call by any means in my, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, he, there was so much room to the edge uh, if he had kept the ball. So, no, I mean – They also
1: they, get it if that one defensive end doesn't completely – I think it was Hayes.
2: Right. Where so it no, was just – I mean, like, he was unblocked, really. If anything, it was execution, not the actual play call that, that hindered Michigan's opportunity there. Yeah. No, I mean, they finally kind of did what we were wondering – if they could do it. And that was set up the play action pass. And it was, it was a huge success for them. Uh, the, the thing with me is like, you know, and this is what we'll never probably really know, or maybe we'll know at some point, but is, you know, the the makeup of the actual of the quarterbacks are all of them are so much different. You know, it's like, I've always been big on like, what gets, you know, some quarterbacks, don't necessarily even need to get into a rhythm. Some quarterbacks can just walk out. You can run the ball 10 times, and then when he's asked, he'll throw it. Some guys maybe need a few easy completions. You know, it felt like Michigan, like you said, I think like it was nothing outrageous or like um, out of left field that Gaddis did yesterday, but by maybe using the deep ball a little bit more, I think it played to Macamara's strengths, and it made the rest of the game – a little bit easier for him because that's one area where he's he's looked really good in throwing the ball down 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 the field you know and the short passes are pretty solid it's the intermediate stuff I think where he struggled a little bit but you know they were able to kind of get his confidence up using that deep ball and then build by also building the confidence of the receivers you know like going back to that the long catch from Wilson I think that's a confident that individual play is a confidence builder he can go up and you know, make a play on his own. So no, overall, I thought the offensive game plan was, was excellent. Um, Couple red flag, you know, the one thing I guess, and I saw a couple of people on the board talk about this last night and this morning, I wonder maybe what you think is the, I think the red zone offense still maybe there are a few kinks there uh, that they need to work out Um, there. They've shown a consistent ability to, to, to have, to make big plays. But inside the 10-yard line, you know, I think there's maybe still a little bit of inconsistency there. I still don't think they throw the ball enough in those situations. Ironically, when they, they did yesterday, it was a touchdown. Um, felt like they still rely on the run really, really heavily down there. So, again, maybe nitpicking a little bit, but if there is one little thing that maybe stood out to me that on the negative side, of it, it's that I still think they have some kinks to work out uh, in the red zone.
1: Yeah, to me, I'd like to see them struggle in the red zone against not Wisconsin. Because, I mean, Wisconsin's going to stop the run. That, they, they know how to do that. And, and I think Michigan went into this game expecting it to be more of a 20-14 to 14 game. And in that kind of game, a field goal is really valuable. I mean, just not turning the ball over and ensuring that you get a field goal, that's a fine red zone offense against a team like Wisconsin on paper. Uh, could they have been more creative? Oh, definitely. But was it worthwhile in the moment for them to? Because I'm thinking about like that that punt fumble, like that gift that they got, uh, and I believe the second fumble that they got. Both of those were situations where you're thinking, oh, they can really make this a blowout type game if they score a touchdown. But they settled for field goals both times. If if it struggles against a team that doesn't stop the run that well, then I think there's a lot more to it. I I I kind of just feel like Michigan was like, anytime like like any drive that ends in points is a success in this game. And I think their thought was, don't risk getting a ball tipped, and turning it over. Because remember in twenty, well b- both twenty seventeen and twenty nineteen, they turned the ball over in the end zone against Wisconsin, and it cost them touchdowns. And so I think there's a, there's a little bit of maybe aversion to, to the turnovers in the red zone. So something to think about, but I'm not overly concerned. And, and by the way, you're, you're really right about uh, Cade McNamara's deep ball passing. His, his passer rating on passes of 20 yards or more downfield, this, this is the rating that goes up to 158.3, so the NFL rating. He's at a 130.2. On passes 10 or more yards downfield, he's at 120. So yeah, it's really the middle stuff <laughs> that he struggles with, as as weird as that is. Think about
2: that. That like that's such a potential recipe for success when we talk about how well Michigan has run the football this year, right? I mean, there there are opportunities aplenty for them to make big plays. If if they can run the if you can run the football that successfully and you have a quarterback who's shown exceptional accuracy and throwing the ball deep down the field and they obviously we know they have the athletes um yeah. you it's gotta be yeah. right you gotta be excited if you're gaddis the rest of the offense thinking like those are two really big big things uh, that can make an offense uh very difficult to stop
1: yeah i agree they should just run the flea flicker on the first couple drives of every game <laughs> see to see what happens uh anyways we're going to hit a quick break. On the other side, we're going to talk about changed expectations for the rest of the season along with a, a peak of what is to expect from the Wolverines this month. This is the Wolverine 24-7 podcast.
0: Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply.
1: Welcome back. Thanks for waiting. So, Steve, I, I'll let you go first on this. Did this win change your expectations for the rest of the season? I know we kind of ask that, some variation of that question every week. Uh, but, but this week was a little different. I mean, they snapped the underdog losing streak of 18 games that dated back to 2013. Uh, you know, they, they beat Wisconsin on the road. I know they haven't played. It's only five straight losses there, but, but it's, it's been a place that has been difficult and it was a legit road atmosphere. Do you have, do you come away from this weekend with a changed outlook on the Wolverines?
2: Uh, Yeah, I think this is maybe the weekend that it's fair to start to raise the ceiling just because we're seeing we're not just seeing the guys that we thought would play well for Michigan play well. We're seeing other guys emerge. other guys that we know are very talented too, uh, guys that have high ceilings. you know, I think and I think that goes a long way, you know, um, let like you talk about Ojabo, like I said, could be like his emergence could be the difference in a, in a win or two for them just because Hutchinson is shown to be so unstoppable, you know So I have to say so. You know the the flip side though for Michigan is their schedule, as difficult as it looked before the season began, somehow looks maybe even more difficult than it did. Uh, Michigan State looks legit. Nebraska, the, my trap game, looks like a potential trap. I don't think it's a trap game. I don't even think it's a trap game anymore. I just think it's – I think it's a, a an interest, another tough road test back-to-back. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Maryland pretender. I mean, I, I still can't believe I saw that graphic where like four of the five like CBS guys picked Maryland to cover and win against Iowa. Like the hell are you? How in the hell is that even a thing? Um, Northwestern not very good. Penn State. We under I undersold Penn State a little bit. Uh, nice. Their defense I think has come, is come is has had a few star players on it. So it's it. <laughs> this could end up being one of those seasons where Michigan is maybe one of the. 10 or 12 best teams in the country, but they still lose two or three games in the regular season. Just because I mean, but you have Ohio State, Michigan State, Penn State, Michigan are all in the top, gonna be in the top 15 this week, all in the same division. Yeah. So
1: and two of them are road games.
2: Yeah. Michigan. Yep. Yeah. So I mean, it's yes, because a lot of what we like sort of what we've talked about coming out of this game. The thing that I, the biggest thing for me with Michigan, and, and I know that the, uh, the Penn state Wisconsin game was a season opener. A lot can happen in the season opener, but you know, Wisconsin is one in three, but but Michigan beat them way more impressively than both Notre Dame and Penn state, in my opinion. Uh, I mean, they're up by four touchdowns in the fourth quarter, whereas Wisconsin had legitimate chances maybe not so much against Notre Dame, but I mean, they were ahead in the fourth quarter in that game. Yeah, they were right there. They had, and they had multiple opportunities to beat Penn state. So, you know, I, I do do a little bit of the transitive property there and, uh, and say that I I do, I think we have to raise the expectations for Michigan going forward. I think they would be raising their own expectations. Although they, if you're them, you're always going to have high expectations, but you understand (laughs) understand what I'm saying. So, uh, but yeah, no, I think so. I, if not now, like when, what are you waiting for to, you know, is it do we wait saying, Oh, well now they have to go to East Lansing and beat Michigan state to, to say that this team is legit. Well, that, at that point, they'd be what eight, eight, <laughs> no, you know, it's like how far, right. like, like <laughs> okay, well they're 12 and 0 I'll raise Ohio the state. expectations they'll when they get f- there. Yeah. We'll <laughs> finally raise the expectations. Like um, no, absolutely. It was a complete, they look, they look solid. They look crisp. And low, not mistake free, but but not mistake prone in all three phases of the game right now, and uh, that's something you can travel with. And it's something they play that they play a type of football right now to me that is going to give them a legitimate chance in every game.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think they're a little bit more blowout proof than maybe they were in 2019 or 2020. Um, That was actually one of my takeaways. I think I think the mental mistakes are really impressive. I mean, zero defensive penalties yesterday and only two real offensive penalties either. I mean, and and they were very much forgivable, um, you know, low penalties. There's very few plays where we just have no idea what they were doing, you know, from a player to player perspective. I mean, it's, and that's, that's the, that's the real, juice of, of being a good college football team is can you play assignment football? Can all 11 people make the right play or the smart play? Um, even if they don't make the best play, like, are they roughly doing what their job was supposed to be on that snap and Michigan, Michigan, I think is doing a lot of that. it, It reminds me of 2016 in that sense where, where it just seems like there's, um, a lot of mental consistency at all positions. Also, hard not to, to look at the energy of the team and, and also think of the 2015-2016 teams. I mean, this is a, this is a team of, of a lot of guys who are part of last season's team. In fact, I think I counted at one point like 18 or 17 of the primary 22 starters last year are back. So this could have gone in a, in a lot of different directions. But, but for them to, to have kind of the positivity – I think after this game, I do buy into the culture changes um, because it's a road game. We spent a little bit of time outside their locker room yesterday and, and everyone saw the jump around video that went viral. I, I, I think there's more legitimacy to it. When they say it in August, I'm kind of like, okay, you know, they're blowing smoke. When they say it in September, I'm like, okay, well, every team that's three, and zero loves their culture and loves the vibe around their team. When you go on the road and win a game as an underdog, and you're doing it in the engaged, energetic, positive fashion that you are, then uh, a cynical reporter like myself starts to buy in a little bit. So, so I've changed my expectations. I mean, I, I, I'm not predicting them to do this, but I think it's a fair bar. Meaning, if they reach it, it's a successful season. If they don't reach it, uh, it's it's a minor, at least a minorly disappointing season. My new bar is New Year's Six Bowl. My, my bar before the season started was eight and four. And, but I think, I think new year six is very much possible. You bring up a great point about their style of play. This defense is good. I mean, it's a really good defense. They're not, you know, Ohio state has a really good offense. I think Penn state has a, continues to have a a pretty successful offense, but this is a defense that's going to keep them in games. And and I think it's an offense. that's going to win them a couple close games. You know, I think about yesterday's game. It was close, defensive battle, and then the offense just kept making plays. So, yeah, looking at the at this month, I think you're right. Nebraska and Michigan State are going to be tougher than maybe – I think those were our two trap games. I don't think either of them are considered trap games anymore. <laughs> we were too correct in calling them trap games, and now they're just big road games. But I think, I think it's absolutely – I think the floor of this team is arguably – eight and four thinking about home against Northwestern home against Indiana and at Maryland. Got to think Michigan feels pretty good about those games and, and should feel good about those games. And then it's just the the house money, Nebraska, Michigan state, Penn state, but especially with Nebraska and Michigan state, I don't think they do anything when I mean, they're, they're a little bit more functional offensively, but defensively did they do anything better than wisconsin that not, not to my knowledge so it's really just about keeping that mental stability mental consistency at some point i gotta think the turnover luck is going to change right i mean they, they only have one turnover it was an alan bowman interception late in the fourth quarter when they're up four touchdowns Su- they're not going to go the whole season with only you know like one or two turnovers. But, but I, think, I think the one other thing I would bring up about the, the culture and the energy is when things went wrong on Saturday, Michigan bounced back. I mean, the defense coming up with that third down stop to open the second half after the first half ended so terribly because really they were a pass interference call that I think everyone can agree was missed away from that being they were down at halftime. I mean they were they were one call away from that where I think you know Ohio, or Wisconsin probably could have converted a touchdown if they'd gotten that pass interference call like they probably should have got. So two drives in a row where they they really struggled but then they answered right back for a couple a couple more three and outs, the offense I think um, you know came away with a, with another s- statement drive to open the second half. So yeah, I've, I've changed my expectations. Last question I can think of Steve. Is there anything Michigan heading into this week against Nebraska needs to be very worried about or, or, or any cause for concern either on Nebraska's end or on Michigan's end that would be at the top of your figure it out list in practice
2: this week? I mean, for Michigan, I think the biggest thing is actually. Here is one thing about yesterday's game that was interesting to me. Um, was the stadium like only like three quarters full, or was no? Was it Canberra eventually it eventually
1: looked... got full. Did I okay. I've mentioned this before. Everyone keeps talking about Wisconsin like it's Penn State, atmosphere-wise, right. or like it's Ohio. It's it's not. It really isn't. They don't have the culture. I remember I was at a game that was game day was there and Wisconsin was 11 and 0 and i was like i you know it's it's a better atmosphere than like your indiana's maryland's Purdue's. i would say it's worse than iowa though i don't think it's like i you know the the student section takes forever to fill up because they they have ushers assign you general admission seats as you come in so like it if for it to look full it has to legitimately be 100% full but you know, even the rest of the crowd, there were, there were open seats. It was, it was a sellout in the sense, or it was, it was effectively full, but it did take a quarter and a half. And, and that's where the 11 a.m. starts. That's a bummer. I mean, if Michigan was kicking off at 11 a.m., I don't even, I can't even imagine you know what some of the, some of those games attendance would be, but, but it's, it's a raucous environment, but it's, it's not, I'd put it like fifth or sixth in the big 10. It's
2: not like, So what? Whereas I would put Nebraska higher, having not been there. I I mean, all I hear. But but
1: I I agree. They have a bigger crowd and they have a more energetic, rabid fan base.
2: So that's with it. I mean, they they demolished Northwestern last night. I think. I'm again. Their season is not, maybe necessarily overall is not going to end up panning out the way fans thought it would go going into their season, but maybe that confidence is starting to build. I mean, I think the atmosphere next Saturday is going to be a lot more difficult than yesterday was. Night game, uh, too. Night game. Like I said, it's almost kind of building up the way that I said it would before the season is that you knew this was going to be – I mean, even though it hadn't been announced at the time, this had night game written all over it for Nebraska. Um, and that they that this would be a – and now with Michigan being undefeated and, and possibly top 10, right? I mean, we're thinking – how many teams ahead of them lost um, yesterday? This is like the this is an opportunity for that big signature home win for Scott Frost um, and Nebraska. So Adrian Martinez looking to be playing a little bit better than he was earlier in the season. I thought that I think their defense has been pretty good, uh, even in that opening season opening loss to Illinois. I thought their defense flashed a few times for sure. So that's the part of it. If I'm Michigan, I think that's something you're really kind of looking at going into the game on Nebraska side. And I haven't looked too hard into Nebraska. Um, you know, I, I think this is a game where Michigan could win both on uh, both sides of the trenches for sure. Uh, and again, we know on the road that just you know having a uh, an effective offensive line and effective defensive line. It's 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 like defense in basketball. It travels. Uh, you can pack it up in a bag and take it with you everywhere. Um, it's going to work, so that's one area where I I feel like Michigan should have an advantage. Uh, I think that the stuff for Michigan might be more of the intangible stuff, just because yeah, Nebraska coming off a big win, crowd's gonna it's going to be a sold out house guaranteed, and it's going to be raucous at least for that first quarter and a half or however long until we until you kind of get into the meat of the game.
1: Yeah, I mean for those that want a glimpse of how impressive Nebraska's fan base is their basketball team gets more attendance than Michigan's basketball team. And their basketball team is terrible. I think they're the only team, the only power five team in the country that doesn't have an NCAA tournament win ever. And, and even in their down years, they still have like crowds of 10 to 15,000. It's, it's very impressive. And, and, you know, just, just a, a very, I guess, engaged fan base, they'll, they'll be loud. Like if, if Kate McNamara starts four of nine or they give up a, or Nebraska gets a couple sacks, um, it'll be a lot louder than it would have been at, at, Camp Randall stadium. And especially, you know, night game, I think Nebraska fans really hate Michigan and <laughs> Wisconsin fans do too, but they, they, they face each other every year. It's a little bit more routine. Uh, Nebraska, Michigan hasn't been in Nebraska since 2012. I'm sure they're they're excited for that game, especially having put together a, a few good performances in a row. Yeah, I think for me, I, I, I think the passing game still has to improve. Even though I said that they can win without the run or without as much in the run game, the pass protection issues early on, That it's twice in a row that, that there's been – some difficulty picking up creative blitz concepts. I'll just put the umbrella there. Uh, you know, Wisconsin got a little creative, especially on the inside, got a few quarterback pressures. Um, you know, McNamara did a nice job of avoiding sacks, but, but at some point, teams are going to start hitting home on those. I, I have to think. And then, and then the receivers, not just the drops, but also the not catching the potentially catchable balls, I think is something that, that, that has to improve. And, and some of that's on McNamara. I'm not saying he's amazing, but, but I, I think both, both parties have to continue to build that timing because I, I don't think Michigan's going to run for 300 yards on very many Big Ten teams. Uh, and, and I, I got to think Nebraska's approach will be stop the run and make McNamara do it twice. You know, even though, even though they, they did well throwing the ball on Saturday, I don't think they struck fear into too many big 10 defensive coordinators scouting reports. They're not like suddenly circling all these guys in red as, as you know, game breaking players. It was, it was a good, it was a quality passing game. It wasn't an elite passing game. So Got to think Nebraska will try to stop the run. We might sell out a little bit more than Wisconsin was able to, or Wisconsin had to. Um, And so it'll be game on again. We'll see. We'll see what Michigan has. Anyways, for Steve Lorenz, I'm Zach Shaw. Be sure to check out all of our stories over at the Michigan Michigan.247 sports.com have some takeaways, some look at where Michigan ranks now uh, stories about, kind of the culture, the energy, the defense. Lots already up and lots to come throughout Sunday and Monday. This has been the Wolverine 24-7 Podcast. Hope you had fun. Hope you learned something. We'll see you next time.
0: Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it.